Welcome to Redemption Church. You're listening to our weekly podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right, call to serve. That's our sermon for today. So I'm going to make it super awkward right off the bat. Are you guys ready? If you serve in any capacity here at Redemption, whether it's at the serve team, set up, cafe, connect, you work with the food, do the hangouts, or if you're in the missional community, whether you're a host, whether you go, if you serve in any capacity, would you just do me a favor? Would you please stand up right now? Just stand if you serve in any capacity. Everybody give these guys a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you. You guys are amazing. Thank you all. Now that I've embarrassed you, you guys can grab a seat. All right, so every week, it takes about 30 people to make all of this happen. Every Sunday, we have a setup team that unloads a trailer, that gets sweaty, putting all the chairs out, that sets up the band, works with the kiddos. Every week, people just like you make redemption possible. We also have about 40 to 50 people who are in missional communities all across the area. We have five, um, from Beaumont to Orange to Mid-County. So there's one near you. We'd like to get you connected into one. They love Jesus. They eat food together. They read their Bibles and they serve one another. And so this is what it takes to make redemption possible. But there's a lot of moving parts that make up this, this body. And so we love you and thank you very much. And that really continues with our series called Together as we're looking at what it means to live in the authentic Christian life. And so today it's called to serve. And so we're going to look at Pastor Paul as he writes to his church in Corinth about what it means for them to be called together. And so we're going to look at this. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we'll be doing our heavy lifting at, 12 verse 12. All right. And so this is how Paul starts it off with. He says it like this. The first big idea is everybody has a body. All right, 12, this is what he says. For just as the body, all right, let's pause right there. All right, for just as the body, Paul's gonna use a metaphor when he refers to the church and he refers to them as a body. He uses a lot of different analogies when it comes to the church. Like sometimes he refers to us as a family. All right, so that means that God is our heavenly father. He adopts us by the grace of Jesus who becomes our big brother. And then the Holy Spirit connects us together as brothers and sisters. And so the church is a family. Sometimes he refers to the church like a military unit, that we are marching forward um, against darkness, empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish and to fulfill Jesus's mission. So sometimes we're like a military unit. Other times he refers to us as the bride of Christ. So Jesus loves us. He laid down his life for us. He serves us. He seeks us. And he's going to come back one day to take us home with him where he's prepared a place for us. And so all of these are beautiful analogies when it comes to what a church is. But one of Paul's favorite metaphors that he uses for the church is that we are a body. And it's a really amazing metaphor because like everybody understands it. It's cross-cultural. So whether you're an ancient Jew or a modern millennial, like you get it because everybody has a body. Now you talk to some dudes about being the bride of Christ, you might get some weird looks. But you talk to them about being the body, they get it. What's one of the first things you teach your kiddos? Right, you teach them about the body. Head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. Right, we get it. We understand. And the body is quite fascinating. I mean, just think about it. There are 206 bones, 642 skeletal muscles, and over 200 types of cells that comprise your body. And so when the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, this is what he means, that we are designed in a way that is so intricate that even to understand 
understand or to accomplish the simplest of tasks is mind-blowing. So this is what Paul says. He says, we are a body. It's the same with your physical body. It's the same way that God has designed us together as a spiritual body. And so this is what he says. For just as the body is one and has many members. All right, let's pause there again. We're going to make it, okay? I promise. We're going to make it. So it says the body is to have members, okay? And so when we speak of membership, this is what we mean. We don't mean church membership as in like a country club where you get special rights and privileges. And we don't mean like a credit card company to where when you sign up, you get discounts. Okay, what we mean by membership is this, that you are important. You serve a role. You have a part to play in the body of Christ. So you're like an ear or an eye. Like you make contributions to the, to the vision to complete the mission of the church. You are important in that regards. So a church is to have members. Now, you might ask, does redemption have members? No, not yet. So are we unbiblical? No. We're what we call a church plant, all right? We haven't talked about this for a minute, so I think it'd be good to understand. Um, We'll just bring it back up. We're a church plant. So we started this thing about seven months ago, right? Before that, none of this existed. It was just me, Ashley, and I just kept buying people burritos and asking if they'd want to join. And here we are all today. So praise God for that. And so a church plant, statistically, 80% of church plants fail in the first nine months, right? We're two months away, and look, we're doing pretty darn good, if I say so myself. And so the reason why we haven't opened membership yet is because I didn't think any of you guys would stay, okay? But that was a joke, y'all. Y'all keep coming, and it's awesome, okay? But we have a mother church called Village Houston. They oversee, shepherd all of us. And so I was talking to them, and guess what? Membership's coming, so be ready and be on the lookout for that. So membership, right? A church is to have members. And so, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, this is what I I love about Paul, is Paul can't not talk about Jesus. All right, so Paul here, he's fixing to start telling us about Jesus. And this is what he says. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So this is what it means for us to live in the authentic Christian life. And so Jesus saves us. How do we be saved by Jesus? That first, the Holy Spirit has drawn us. Okay, so here he talks about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you're here today and you're wondering, how did I get here? How did I end up in church? Why did I wake up this morning and just wanted to come. I had this need or this longing I could not explain. I've been thinking about God. I've been seeking God. And the truth is, is the Holy Spirit sought you first. That the Holy Spirit has been working on you and working in you before you ever stepped foot into these doors. And so you're here because the Spirit has led you. And as the Spirit points you and leads you, He leads you to Jesus. So then Jesus, He lived the perfect life. He died the perfect death in your place, gives you grace. He ascends to the Father, reconciles us, and then He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you meet Jesus, then you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're giving gifts, and then you're given the opportunity to connect into a local church, to serve a part of the mission, so more people can meet Jesus just like you. And this is what it means for us to live in the authentic Christian life. And so Paul says that we all live in this same spirit. He goes on and he says this, For Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Okay, so what Paul's saying here is that what used to divide us no longer defines us. 
That when Jesus came, it's no longer Jew or Greek or slave or free. It's just Christian. That now our identity is found in Christ and not what has previously brought division. And so we need everybody because everybody has a body. All right, so Jews and Greeks in that day did not get along with each other. Like the Jews hated the Gentiles. And in the Jewish day, if you wanted to travel, you would have to take a full day's journey around Samaria so that way you wouldn't have interactions with those people. This is very similar to racism in the 50s and 60s or even the apartheid that's still happening in places today. The Jews and Gentiles did not get along with one another. Some historians say that if a Gentile lady was giving birth and a Jew walked upon her and she was miscarrying, she, he couldn't help her because he would be bringing another Gentile into the world. And this is the time period that they lived in. And so Jesus comes in and what Jesus does is he brings in with him a new humanity. All right, so it's no longer what divides us that defines us, but rather in our diversity, God brings about maturity. God brings about unity in the midst of our diversity. And so we need everyone. My vision for redemption is that we would be so diverse that this church would look completely different. And that when people looked at us, they would think, wow, they're weird. That's odd. That's strange. Those people have no reason to hang out with one another. Like there is no, what is happening downtown? That's my vision for this church. Because truthfully, honestly, we want this church to look like Beaumont. Beaumont is a diverse city. But more than that, we want this church to look like heaven. And heaven, what will it look like? Every tribe, tongue, nation, bowing before, worshiping, gathered around Jesus. And so may it be in Beaumont as it is in heaven. That is our prayer for this church. So that means we need everybody we need everybody, all your backgrounds, all your stories, all of your experiences. We need the black and the white. We need the Latinos and the Asians. We need the rich, the poor, the young, the old. We need the skinny jeans and the cargo shorts. We, we need everybody. Because here's the beautiful thing about Jesus, is that Jesus makes us one. That the world would want us to be separate. But Jesus makes us one. And so what it says when people think, they're like, why do you hang out with those people? Why do you gather with those people? What are, what are you doing? And we would say, well, Jesus loves them and Jesus loves me. And because of Jesus, he's made us a family. Yeah. Yeah. It may not make sense, but in the kingdom of God, it makes perfect sense. Right. And so that's my dream for us as this church, that we would, look and mirror the glory of God to the city around us. And that takes everybody working together. So we see that our diversity need not bring division. But when we give our diversity to Jesus, he brings unity and maturity. Amen? Amen. Amen. And all of this is made possible by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus died and rose. The Holy Spirit then fills us to serve with gifts and talents and to continue the work of the mission of God. And all of this was promised by Jesus. So Jesus promised all this in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, greater works than me will you do. So what does Jesus mean when he says greater works? Does he mean that we're going to, you know, die and atone for the sins of the world? Does he mean we're going to rebuke storms and conquer death? No. So it's not greater in type, but it's greater in number. You see, when Jesus was here, he was limited to time and space. 
All right, so he had a physical body. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. So he had a physical body. He was balanced in limited time and space. He got tired. I'm sure he took a nap, right? And so Jesus could only be in one place at one time. So he could only teach so many people. But because of Jesus, there's a whole room full of us. And so now, by God's grace, we can teach a lot more people. And because Jesus only had two hands, he could only heal so many people. Well, we got a lot more hands, right? So we can help and heal a lot more people. And this is what Jesus says, that it's better for me to go so that I would give you the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. So you have the, the gift of the Spirit. And this is what he says, that it means for us to be a church, that we've been saved by Jesus. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been given a purpose by the Father so that we can go and continue to show the world everything that Jesus has done. And if we can gather around that purpose, that mission, that message, then maybe we can stop making a dent and finally start making a difference. Amen? Amen. All right. Big idea number two is this. Everybody is different. Okay, so Paul's saying here, we're glad that you're here, all right? We're happy that you're here. Do you have any friends, right? We need people just like you. Got a buddy? Bring them on. Let's get them connected. Let's let them experience everything that Jesus has. So we need people just like you. But we also need people unlike you. Because if everybody was like you, then that wouldn't be good, right? right how many of you wish that everybody was just like you? Yeah, you're the only one who thinks that, okay? I just to let you know. Right? I'm so glad that Ashley is nothing like me, right? Because if Ashley was just like me, it would be a mess, right? We'd never be able to find our keys. We'd always be late. I'm so thankful to God that Ashley is nothing like me. And you should be thankful for God for that same reason, okay? And so Paul says it like this. He goes, everybody is different. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. All right, so he's saying it takes everybody. Some people only like to gather around or surround themselves with people who look just like them. Do you know what that's called? Like when all we do is hang out with people or gather around people who look just like us, at best, we call it vanity. At worst, it's idolatry. And so a lot of people come into the church or they come into communities and they say, these people look nothing like me. I want them to look more like me. What you're saying when you say that is that you want the church to look like you and not look like Jesus. Because the point is, is it takes all of us working together. Because in reality is, is you have something that I need and I have something that you need. And when Jesus brings us together, by his grace, we can meet the needs of others. And so we need to be around people who are not like us because that's the only way that we're going to grow into the perfect image of Jesus. And so he says this. He goes on, he's going to tell us some jokes. Okay, now... I say ridiculous things sometimes, okay? If you've been here long enough, you know that I shoot myself in the foot and then put it in my mouth a lot, all right? So I say some ridiculous things. I try not to, but it happens, all right? The Bible sometimes says some ridiculous things too. Did you know that? That the Bible is funny, right? There's parts of it, not all of it's funny, but a lot of parts of it are, are pretty funny, right? And if you read it with the lens that everything is serious, you're going to miss out on a whole lot of things of the character and nature of God. And so some people read the Bible and it's very serious. We call them fundamentalists, which is strange because fun is the first three letters of the word and they're no fun at all. And so when we read the Bible, we have to understand that sometimes God uses humor, right? So God is about to use Paul's personality and he's going to tell a series of jokes. And as I was reading it this week, I, um, 
uh, it reminded me of a joke that, uh, that I had recently heard. Now, um, it's a bad joke, a bad dad joke. You guys love bad dad jokes? All right, I love bad dad jokes. I have a whole bunch of them. And as I was reading this next section, it reminded me of a joke. I'm fixing to be a first-time father, so I'm getting ready to share all of these jokes with my daughter, all right? And yes, I'm about to share one with you, okay? You ready? You ready? All right, so what do you call a nose with nobody? Nobody knows. All right. Yeah, see, it's bad, and it's supposed to be bad. And so God is about to tell us a series of bad dad jokes. So God is our heavenly father. Yeah, so he's going to tell us some bad dad jokes to get his point across. And this is what he says. He says this, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Well, that would not make it any less part of the body. Like you see, you get it? Like he's using humor to get his point across. This would be like saying, I'm a hand and you're a foot. We look nothing alike. I'm leaving. It doesn't work, right? The hand and the foot, they need each other. Last night, me and Ashley were on the couch watching Netflix. The remote was on the other side of the room, right? I couldn't reach. That is the worst feeling in the world. When the remote's too far, you're comfortable. So how did I get the remote? Well, I had to walk there. So my hand and my feet are a team. Like one walks to the remote, the other grabs it, right? We, we work together to get anything done. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying that we need one another. And he goes on and he says this. He says, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. All right, so do you like your ear? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. If you heard me say that, then you have some appreciation for your ear, right? Do you like your eyes? Right? They serve a purpose. They're important. Now, what if your ear and your eye stopped working together? Your entire life would be disoriented, right? Someone, someone throws something, they yell duck. You don't know what to do. You get hit in the head, right? We need each other. The ear and the eye, they are helpful. They are useful, beneficial when they work together. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of listening be? Well, that's a great question. Have you ever tried to listen with your eyes? Yeah, not a very good use of listening, right? It's not their highest function. So if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Yeah. If your senses stopped working together, your entire life would fall apart. And it's the same way when it comes to the church. And this is what happens when we allow our preferences to become prejudices. Paul's trying to illustrate this point by showing us how ridiculous we are sometimes. Now, listen, for me, I come from a large family, okay? I have a very large family, and uh, I'm the oldest of six. Can we throw that picture up? I'm the oldest of six kids. These are my brothers and sisters. So I have five brothers and a sister. And if you look at us, we look nothing alike, okay? So um, my, my littlest brother, I call him John John. Um, he has fiery red hair, and he always loves making new friends, All right, My big little brother, he's six foot something. He loves cooking, and then I got a sister who's kind of like the glue that holds the family together. And then my other brother, he's the fun one. So he skates, he's fun, right? Me, I'm the boring one. And people always tell me, they say, Byron, you're boring, okay? Now, what would it look like if I walked home, if I walked into my house one day and we were all together for dinner and I said, you're not like me. You're not family anymore. I don't love you. That wouldn't be very loving, would it? No. What if I said, we disagree, so I'm leaving? That wouldn't be very loving now, would it? See, God has called us to be a family. And the beautiful thing about family is that even though we disagree and get on each other's nerves, 
doesn't mean we love each other any less. And even though we may fight, we fight like family, not like enemies. You know the difference, fighting like family and fighting like enemies? Right, family, they wrestle, but they make up on it. And so this is the same way when it comes into the church. And so when it comes to the church, right, some of you, you come in here and you're like, you're, 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 you're different. So some of you, you're really charismatic. So others, you're more reformed. Okay, so we need the charismatic and the reformed to come together. It's good for you. Have some debates, have some dialogue, and you will grow through frustration. You each have something that the other person needs. Some of you, you're more theological, right? You read books by dead guys. You listen to a lot of footnotes, right? Apologetics, that stuff. Others of you, you could care less how you even spell theological. You're just happy to worship. You just come in, you're like, the music's great. I love it, right? We need everybody. Some are a little country, some are a little rock and roll. But if we can get everybody together, then maybe church can be fun. Do you guys think church should be fun? Yeah, I think church should be fun. And so this is what it means for us all to start working together to accomplish something bigger than us. And so we need everybody because everybody has a body, even though everybody is different. Amen? Amen. And so here it says in 18, but as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he has chose. Okay. So the important thing we need to know in this is that that God has put the body together. So who puts the church together, redemption? God does. So God puts the church together. He knew exactly what redemption would look like on this day, and he knows where we're gonna grow and where we're gonna look like next week, next month, next year. He already has it all mapped out, and he's inviting us to partner with him in accomplishing that mission. So God puts the body together. And so what he's saying here is don't despise who you are. God has put you exactly where you are for when you are so he can grow you into what he wants you to be. So don't despise who you are. Some of you might come in, you're like, I'm an eye, but I really wish that I was a foot. Or I'm a foot and I really wish that I was in a hand. Or I'm a greeter and I really wish that I was in the band. No, be who you are, where you are, for the time that you are there. You know why? Because you're important. You're important. You're connected and grow where you're connected. Don't despise who you are because you are important. So do we need five heads? No, we don't need five heads, right? I mean, that would take forever, you know, to brush your teeth. Um, haircuts would be expensive. Ladies putting all that makeup on. We don't need five heads, right? We need one head. We need two hands. We need two feet. We need 10 fingers, so don't despise who you are in the body. That's the way God has made you. That's the where God has placed you. We love that. We need that. Grow in that. All right? And so he goes on and he says this. He says in 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. Okay, let me say it like this. I'm a mess, okay? Can I just be vulnerable for a sec? All right, like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm kind of a mess, all right? Um, thank you for giving me the privilege to be your pastor, but also thank you for giving me the grace to be a person, all right? And so, so for, for me, um, I'm, uh, church is seven months old. It's going quite well. Um, we got a crazy schedule though. 
and we got a baby on the way, all right? So like my life is in a completely different place and I'm just running and trying to catch up with everything that Jesus is doing. And so thank you for allowing me grace. You know who I love and I'm appreciative? I'm appreciative of our elders um, from Sanctuary Network who oversee, shepherd, sign off, and give me accountability. You know your pastor has pastors? I'm also under accountability. We have a board of elders that serve at this church. And so I'm under the authority of Sanctuary Network. And I'm so thankful for them. Because if it wasn't for them, I'd have burned this place down by now. Right? And, and that's, that's true. Because I am so appreciative of being a part of a network, being a part of an organization that is focused on providing spiritual care and planting churches. And it's awesome. I love being a part of that. And so I'm thankful and I am appreciative of them. And so when many of you, or some of you, you might come to redemption and immediately when you come in, you could be very frustrated. Okay, you can come into redemption and you can be frustrated. And as you're frustrated, you'll think, well, they don't do anything right. And this is happening over here. And this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And you can come in or you could think this. You could think, wow, there's an area that this church is lacking. Maybe the reason I'm here is because I can help. Do you ever think about it that way? If you notice the flaws, then maybe that's why God has placed you here. So you can help. Had you ever considered that way? Instead of coming in and saying, this stinks, right? Look at all these ears. I can't believe they don't even notice the way it smells. Maybe you could recognize, hey, I'm a nose. I can smell that it stinks and now I can help fix it. Do you ever think that God has brought you here for that purpose to serve, to help, to be a part of it? Not to come as with an attitude of a critic, but rather come with the heart of a servant. And so, you can come to a church, whether our church or any church, in different ways, right? You can come with the attitude of a critic. So a critic is the one who's always poking holes in everything, always recognizing the flaws. You can come and you say, the worship's too long. The worship's not long enough. Kids check in, took forever. I couldn't get connected. Or you could recognize that, wow, this is a young church, and that they're still growing, and that they're still learning, and that people keep meeting Jesus. I have some abilities. I can assume some responsibilities. This must be why God has placed me here, because I can help. And so when we come, we need to take the, the, the attitude of a, a servant, the heart of a servant, and not the attitude of a critic. Because God has placed us together as a body, and we need to appreciate that everybody is different. And that you have some gifts and I have some gifts and we work together, we can be a blessing to others. And so this is what Paul is saying as he says, everybody has a part, all right? And so this is the next, next big idea is this, everybody plays a part. Okay, um, verse 22 and 24, this is what he says. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on the parts of the body that we think less of, we bestow honor, a greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. With our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body by giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Okay, this one's a little bit confusing. So let me, let me say it like this. Um, how many of you are glad that today I am not wearing, say, a Speedo, right? Thank you. That would be a little awkward, right? Because some things are just not presentable. 
Some things are just not presentable, right? Ashley may love it, but my sister goes to church here too, okay? There's, that's a sign of my appreciation for you because some things are just not as presentable, right? You ever seen American Idol? Like not everyone can sing, right? Remember the, the, the yeah, not everybody, so not everybody can join the band, right? Not everybody is a best fit for kids, but that does not mean that you aren't valuable, that you aren't appreciated, and so when it comes to understanding which part you are, some of you, you immediately know. You're like, missional community host, that's me. I love it. I have people at my house. I love preparing food. I love getting everything coordinated. I love it. Some of you, you're connect or you're cafe. And you're like, I love serving in this capacity. And so others of us, we're still new here. Like we have yet to connect. We've yet to take our next steps. If that's you, I would say, get connected, plug you in. We want for you to experience everything that Jesus has for you. So Jesus didn't just save you so you can fill a seat, okay? Did you know that? Like Jesus has saved you for a purpose, okay? So we're, we, I know sometimes I may preach like a Baptist, but we're not Baptists. So there's no back rows for anybody, all right? As a, as a young church, we don't have the luxury to live off the endowments of our grandparents when they died and they left it. Like we still have work to do. We got a mission to accomplish. We got kiddos to teach. We got ministries to run. We got mission to sin. We got a city to reach with the love and grace of Jesus. And in order to do so, it takes all of us working together to serve a greater purpose and to be a part. So as I said, don't despise who you are. That some of you, you have amazing gifts and talents. Like you're awesome. You have awesome abilities. You love to serve and you have opportunities to help. And so what can happen though, is that some of you, as you do that, you'll recognize that other people get more credit and you'll become discouraged. And so you may unload the trailer, okay? So you get here at 8 a.m., you unload the trailer to set all of this up. So you're sweaty, you're tired, and then everyone comes in and they worship and sing along with the band. So you may think, man, I really wish that I was in the band. And some of you, maybe you're in kids or you serve at your missional community and you think, man, um, you know, I feel kind of disconnected sometimes because I'm serving up in the kids every week and I haven't been able to be in church for a month because, you know, we're serving in these kiddos. And so I have to listen to podcasts and I'm appreciative of my missional community. But sometimes I really just wish that I was an elder or I could pray with people. And, you know, you see, because they get more credit or they get more reward or they get more honor, they're more noticeable. I want to be in the band. I want to be on stage. I want to be a communicator. No, you don't. You want to be where you are because that's where God's placed you. You want to be who you are, right? We don't do it for the applause. We don't do it for recognition. We don't do it for that type of reward because God sees what you're doing and God is proud of you. So for those of you who serve more behind the scenes, thank you. Thank you. We love you. Like this couldn't happen if it wasn't for you, you know, where you're, you're serving in areas that nobody notices. God sees that. God's proud of that. And God will reward you for that. So be faithful where you're at. Grow into everything that God has planned and created and planted you there to be. And watch God grow you into the next season of your life. And so for those of you who serve in more behind the scenes roles, we love you. Thank you. You don't, you, don't, you don't get enough credit for everything that you do. You know who I'm thankful for? I'm really thankful for our computer team. So they're back there running slides and projections every week. Nobody even notices it because you don't look backwards, right? But they're really in that regard, they're the real worship leaders because if they weren't putting the slides up there, nobody would know what to sing. We'd be completely lost, right? And so I'm so appreciative for them. 
And so, yeah, amen. And so when you see someone who's serving behind the scenes, say thank you. When you see someone who's giving of their time, talents, and treasures to make all of this possible, when they serve in that regards, say thank you for it. And for those of you who serve in those roles, listen to this. Is that God gives more honor to the parts that lacked it. All right? And this is what he says. He says that uh, God has composed the body, giving greater honor to those who lack it. God sees and God rewards. And that he gives certain pleasures to those who serve in more quiet roles. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Isn't the kingdom of God backwards? Right, those who serve in more visible roles on, in the world and on earth, they have prestige, they have the power, but in the kingdom of God, it's the least. Yeah. That if you want to be the greatest, you must become the least. If you want to be the master, you got to be the servant of all. That's how Jesus operates. And so thank you. So thank you for that. So when you see someone serving, what a beautiful picture to show honor. Right, when someone opens the door for you, say thank you. When someone pours coffee to you, say thank you. As you go and receive communion today, look into the eyes of the person who is serving you and tell them thank you. Because they're serving in a capacity so that way you can worship, know, and enjoy God. And this is what he says. Last thing he says, that there may be no division in the body. Yeah. So that there may not be division in our church. That there might be times and places to where we disagree, but that's okay. See, the Bible says we don't have to agree on everything. We need to agree in the Lord. So there's some issues that are non-negotiable, close-handed issues. And then there's others, they're the open hand. We can talk, we can dialogue, we can debate, but our debates need not lead to division. What a beautiful thing when we can agree to disagree and that Jesus still gets the glory. Amen? What a beautiful, beautiful picture of a healthy and whole church. And so this is, as we've been walking through what it means for us to be an authentic Christian community, we've been looking at different areas in our church. So this whole series was designed to teach us um, how to cultivate or culminate into lifelong discipleship. So these are the marks that we're looking for as we grow into a healthy church. So there's four marks that we've determined as the catalysts to know if we're accomplishing everything that Jesus has for us. So here they are. Throw that side up. Worship, community, mission, and service, okay? So these are the four marks of our church. So our big vision statement for this church is that we would join God in the renewal of all things by making disciples who make disciples through worship, community, mission, and service, all right? So some of you, you love worship, right? So you're connected into worship. You're really great at worship. You glorify God. You love to sing. You put God first in every aspect of your life and you're growing and growing in your faith and you want everyone to come know, love, worship Jesus. So you're great at worship. And the other area is mission, right? Some of you, you are just awesome at mission. And so when it comes to the mission of God, you're go, 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 go. People need Jesus. People are hurting. People are lost. They need to know. We need to love. Let's serve. Let's go. Let's go. Others, your community. So you're like, hey, can you come over to my house? Let's grab some coffee. Let's put everyone together. Let's hang out. Let's be a family. Let's be a friend, right? Some of you worship. And others of you are more decaf, right? You're just kind of doing like this. Some of you are community. Like, hey, you want to be my friend? We could be best friends. You want to go for a walk? Want to grab coffee? Others of you are like, please leave me alone. <laughs> Some of you are mission. And others of you are planners. And see, we need to grow in all areas of this discipleship. So the worship, you need to grow and grow others into that area. 
mission. We need to grow others. So the, the point is that all of these would build up into lifelong spiritual growth in your life and also in our church. But the one that holds them all together is service. But oftentimes it's the one that's most forgotten. Because without service, how would we worship? Who'd put it all together? Who'd make it happen? Without community, who'd open their homes? Who'd cook the food? Who'd organize the kids? Without mission, who'd plan it out? Who would assemble the team? You see, service is the one that connects us all together. That everybody plays a part. It may be a different part, but we would never be able to accomplish all the things that Jesus has called us to do if we don't allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us for God's glory and the good of others. And so whether you connect into a church here at Redemption or whether you've never connected into a church before, I would, I would say get connected, get plugged in, serve in some capacity at a church, in an organization, so you can see everything that God has planned for you, so you can experience everything that God has given to you. And so what I see, what a healthy church says that there may, there may be um, division, but there's not disunity, right? There may be Diversity, but there's not division. Let me say it that way. There may be division, but there is no... Di <laughs> I messed it up again. There may be diversity, gotcha, but there need not be division. And that God can bring about maturity and unity through all of these things. Amen. And this is why we need one another, right? That God has called us together to accomplish everything that he has done in our lives. And so by God's grace, I believe that we still have room to mature. As a church, we still have room to mature. We're not there yet. Okay, we're just getting started. We're six months old, seven months old. God has a lot more in store for us here at Redemption. Right? The best days are in front of us. Right? The best days are in front of us. We have room to grow, both numerically and in maturity. And by God's grace, that's a good thing. Because that means you always have a job. You always have a part to play. You always have something to do. There's always a next step. There's always another story. There's always another place that Jesus is just getting started and you can be a part of everything that he wants. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And we want for you to experience everything that God has for you. So this is how he says it in 25, that there may be no division in the body, right? And so we go on, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now that you are the body of Christ, individually, you are members of it. All right? What, what Paul's saying here is that you serve a greater purpose in the bigger body of Christ. So when it comes to church, I would say, please don't be a consumer. Like, don't just come here and ask, how does this church meet my needs? But ask, how has God enabled me to meet the needs of others? Right, don't just be a consumer. Right, if you've never connected, please find somewhere, connect. God has given you gifts and opportunities for you to serve. We have a lot of people that are still far from God who need connection, who need the gospel, who need Jesus. There's not enough time for us to just to play church. Right, don't just go to church, be the church. Serve in some area. Be a part of something. Make your impact on the bigger picture. But don't just be a person who comes and takes, but rather be a person who gives. Because that's what God means when he calls us all to be a part of the body. So I'm letting you know, we need help. We got opportunities. We're, 
We're just getting started. There's room, there's place, and we got to make room in this place for more people to, to, to experience God's grace. And so we're just letting you know, I'm just going to ask. Right? I'm not going to bribe you. I'm not going to trick you. I'm not going to come out and do a dance and promise you a tenfold blessing. I'm just going to ask, where is your place in the body? Is God calling you here? Is God calling you to serve? What part do you play in this church? Now, I'm going to make a big ask because I believe we serve a big God. And I got big faith for everything that God has for us. So I want to ask you, what part do you play in this church? Now, we're going to go old school, okay? How many of you guys were here for our interest gatherings before we launched? Way flashback, right? Yeah, we got a couple. Okay, so we started this guy seven months ago, but we were working towards it for about six months on the back end. So we'd do these interest gatherings, and we'd invite people, hey, here's who Redemption is. This is what we want to do. Where's your place? Would you like to serve? And people signed up, and people kept coming, and it's been awesome. And so we're going to have a flashback to that, okay? So this, underneath your seat, there's one of these. Do you guys, you pull this out? This, this is a piece of paper, okay? You see, you do that, it crinkles, makes noise. This is a piece of paper. Everybody, everybody pop it at me like that. Yeah, there we go. All right, that is a piece of paper. This, this is a pen. Yeah, all right. So if you take this pen and you put it on the paper right here and you move it around, it leaves a mark. And I want for you to leave your mark on this church. Ah, you see what I did there? Yeah. Yeah, it's cheesy. I'm going to make a great dad. Okay. But seriously, we're going to play some songs in a little bit. But I, I want you to find your place in this body. I'll tell you how it worked for me. When God saved me 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I was invited to church by a pretty gal. Her name was Ashley. I went, I gave my life to Jesus that Sunday. I went back the next week. And I went back the next week. And I kept going to church. Not because I had to, but I had to, right? You know that? Not out of religious obligation, but that God was doing something in my life. And so I didn't like church, right? I didn't like church. I didn't, I didn't want to be a part of a church. I wanted nothing to do with church, right? And that's how I went. I went in and God saved me. He, he, the Holy Spirit led me to that place. Jesus changed my life. He forgave me of my sins. And then the Holy Spirit baptized me in his spirit, gave me gifts, and gave me abilities to serve in that church. But I didn't. I didn't serve in that church. Not for about a year, year and a half. See, when I first went to that church, I treated that church like a hotel and not like a home. Do you know the difference? Like a hotel, like when was the last time you made your hotel bedroom? Right. You never made your hotel bed. Why? Because somebody else was going to do it for you. Hmm. I treated that church like a hotel and not like a home. And so as I'm connected into that church, I'm going, and I realize that the church is like a body and I serve a purpose. And that the church is like a family. And the church isn't a hotel. The church is my home. And so then I started trying to get connected into that church. The first thing that happened was I was invited to a men's prayer retreat. Okay, now if you've ever gone to a men's prayer retreat, out in the woods especially, like you'd probably be like me and very reluctant. Like, I don't know. In the woods? I don't think so. But I went. And I'm so glad that I went. Because when I was there, that's where God called me into ministry. As I took that first step, 
I went and I prayed. I was out in the woods and I was praying. I said, God, I don't know if I could do this. God, I see a lot wrong with the church. I don't know if I want to be a part of a church. And the Lord spoke to me quietly, not audibly, but just a quiet voice inside of me. And he says, get used to it. I'm calling you to make it better. And that's how God called me into ministry. He just simply said, make it better. That was it. And so I went home and I told my wife, me and Ashley, we were just about, actually, we weren't even married yet, were we? No, she almost, she was like, I don't know if I can marry a guy who's going to be a pastor. It worked out well for you, didn't it? Um, I'm just, it worked out well for me. Um, And so she freaked out. I freaked out. I didn't want to do it. But Ashley loved Jesus. Ashley loved me. So we decided to see where it would lead us. And so I went home that weekend and I said, okay, um, I went to the pastor and I said, hey, is there any place that I can serve? Is there anything that I can do? And he said, yeah, sure. So they put me in youth. I don't like teenagers, okay? Like teenagers, it got on my nerves. I had nothing, I didn't have, I didn't want to hang out with these kiddos, these teenagers. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. So I'm just going to be faithful in that. So I just went to serve with the youth. So we would go to Wednesday night youth church and we'd worship. I'd do a little Bible study for them. We would go skating together. We would go out to eat. And as I was hanging out, the Lord changed my heart towards them. I love these kids. Like this is awesome. Hanging out with all these youth, the Lord enlarged my heart in that area. And it was amazing to see everything that God did in that. So I was like, okay, this is cool. What can I do next? So then I started a missional community at our house. And over the course of the year, 20 people of my good friends who were not following Jesus met Jesus. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I love doing this. What other steps can I take? So then I started, I joined a small group. And so I joined a small group at the church, signed up, got connected, and I ended up hanging out with all these people that had things like jobs and kids. And me and Ashley smoked cigarettes and listened to metal bands, right? So I'm like, I have no reason to hang out with these people. So I get connected. And I thought, man, these people are awesome. And every time I took a next step, God grew me in my faith. And so I was like, okay, God, what do you have next for me? It keeps going, right? I started, someone at church asked me if I would like to start a Bible study for foster kids. So on Monday nights, I was sitting with 14 foster boys at a home, reading the Bible together, playing baseball. And guess what? It was awesome. It was awesome. So as I took that next step, the Lord then convicted me about giving, And so I had been going to church. I'd been doing and playing my part. But as I was sitting in that seat one day, I realized someone else gave to make this seat possible. I want to provide a seat for somebody else. So I started giving, supporting ministries, sending missionaries. And I didn't have much money. Me and Ashley were newlyweds. We lived in a dumpy apartment. And I was just waiting tables and in college full-time. So I was taking 12, 15 credit hours, working full-time. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to start giving. So I just picked up an extra shift at work and said, whatever I make on this shift, I'm going to give it to the church. At first it started small, but then I realized I'm working for the Lord. So I started working a little bit harder. And it got to the point to where some days I was given $100 a week to support the local church. And you know what? It was awesome. To look at that and say, wow, I have a part to play in all of this. That God would grow in that. That God would grow me. That God would grow the church through willingness, through obedience, and through serving. So then the pastors asked me, they said, Byron, have you ever considered a call to ministry? I said, you know what? Yeah, I've considered that. I've been wrestling with that. And they said, well, let's get you trained. Let's get you trained. Let's take some opportunities. Let's see if you're qualified. And then I started reading books and taking classes. And by the end of that year, they approved my call to ministry and they sent me and Ashley to Houston to plant a church. So when we showed up to Houston, we got a little duplex in downtown. 
And we started serving that church. That church started from scratch, just like this one. So we're sweeping up cigarette butts. We're unloading trailers. We got groups meeting in our home. We're starting Bible studies in bars. And you know what? It was great. God used that experience to completely change the trajectory of my life. And while I was at that church, I mean, we did everything, right? I mean, I even led worship one week and that was horrible, okay? I got to preach my first sermon and that also was horrible. But God grew me that I just took a step. I just took a step in obedience. I took a step in willingness that I had a willing heart and willing hands to see God do everything that he wanted to do. So as I'm serving at that church, that church now sent us back here to plant this one. That church is Village Houston, and we're the daughter church of that church. And so they oversee spiritual accountability and all of that. See, all of that happened with me just filling out a piece of paper. It all just started with me taking a step. Now, who knows where this paper is going to lead you, right? Who knows? Who knows what the future holds for you when you put it in God's hands? I'm just asking you to take one step. You don't have to sign up for everything. Find your thing. What is your thing? Maybe you can't serve on Sundays, but you have some gift that can go more behind the scenes on the weekdays. Maybe the kids are crazy. It's not a good time for you. But would you take the step in being willing to serve financially towards the church? See, there's two types of, you know, there's two types of people. There's those who serve with their hands and then there's who serve by their means. You got two guys downtown, right? One's serving the homeless. He's getting his hands dirty. He's setting up the tents, giving the food. The other guy cuts the check. Who's more valuable in the kingdom of God? The answer is both because they need one another. So what area, what place has God called you to serve in this church? See, the future of redemption is still unwritten. It's still unwritten. We don't, we don't know but I would love for you to put your fingerprints on this, to leave your mark on this church. How great would it be to look back in 20 years and say, wow, I got to be a part of that from the very beginning. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Who knows how your life will change by taking a step? Who knows whose life you will change by pouring a cup of coffee, by opening a door, by singing a song, by hanging out with kiddos? Entire families can be changed forever legacies by you taking the step of living an authentic Christian life through worship, community, mission, and yes, through serving. I love this church. I'm having a lot of fun. And this is awesome. I'm so appreciative. I'm so happy for all of you guys. I love you. I love you. And I want to see everything that redemption can be. Amen? Amen. So what we can do is this. Well, first of all, hold on. Some of you some of you have been running from God for a long time. And like, like me, you wonder why you're here. God's called you. You think, nobody call me. No, God's called you. He's called you to be his kid. He wants to adopt you into his family. You've been running from God for a while. Welcome home. He's found you. Don't resist him. Don't resist him. He loves you. He gave his life for you. He serves you. 
Today's your day. Redemption Church meets every Sunday morning on Crockett Street at The Gig. If you would like to know more, you can find us online at www.redemptiontx.com or join us at 10.30 a.m. Sunday mornings in downtown Beaumont. Kids are always welcome too. We are Redemption, and we would love to meet you.